At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. We interview senior-level baby boomers who share their stories, insights, and how-tos for the emerging leadership of millennials. Our mission is to celebrate their accomplishments in aid of preserving their business knowledge. I'm your host, Chris Williams. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. Thank you so much for listening. Today, I have a special treat for you. And if you've been listening for a while, that's great. If this is your first time, thank you so much for downloading the podcast and listening. And if you haven't heard anything up until this point, please go back and check out some of our previous episodes. Even the one before this, well, you'll get a chance to hear from a CEO of a college, which is really, really cool and how he thinks and his perspective, even uh, being in the education space and how millennials are approaching that. But in today's episode, I'm so excited about today's episode because you're going to hear about a CEO who's owned a company since 1991, and it's based on the east side of Seattle. Yes, Seattle, Washington. And so one of the cool things about his company is that he actually pushes his culture to not be accused ever of being a type of company that is really a bunch of accountants. I want to introduce to you the CEO of Falco Consultancy, Chris Falco. This interview is awesome. Take notes, hear how he feels about the way things are, how he's built his company, the things that he did intentionally when starting to engage millennials in order to be inside of this space. Thank you so much for listening. Take a listen to this great episode. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening today, wherever you are. I am pleased to have Chris Falco on the call today. And in this interview, in this podcast, as you all know, with High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders, I like to find people who have an interesting perspective, who, who've come from a background that allows you to have some insight to understand how certain things are viewed from the baby boomers perspective. And I was able to reach out to this gentleman who was kind enough to give us his time today. And so without further ado, I want to introduce you all to Chris Falco. So Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Now, this is going to sound funny because I I want my listeners to know that this is not me on the other end, even though we share the same game. Uh, um, Understand. (laughs) Absolutely. So what I would like to do, Chris, is, you know, here on the show, one of the things I like to try to do is give people some really good perspective so that they know who they're listening to. So, Chris, if you wouldn't mind, just share with our audience a little bit about your corporate journey, kind of, you know, where you started, kind of, uh, you know, what, what got you to... To, to thinking, you know, in other ways that kind of put you in a position of becoming, you know, a CEO. And then, you know, share uh, with our audience a little bit about where you found yourself when you when you realized that, you know, the, the workforce is kind of kind of shifted and it was something you kind of had to jump along with. Sure. Well, I, uh, I've been in public accounting. I own a public accounting firm and, and been doing public accounting since I was a sophomore in college, actually. And that was so that's back in 1981. And so I've been doing this a number of years. And so it's been one where, 
I learned, you know, came up through the ranks, learned how to do public accounting and, and various types of accounting, you know, the hard way, like everybody does. You have to learn it by experience. And, and as I got further into it, I, I felt that, you know, there's a better way to do public accounting. It's not just about the numbers. It's about how you interact with your clients, how you ultimately can, can provide a value-added service other than just the compliance type of work like tax returns and financial statements, and really brought it to more of a consultative uh, approach. And by doing that, uh, I kind of developed back then what the, it's probably referred to now a little bit more as a part-time controller or part-time CFO approach. I've you know, spent many years trying to develop that, pull it together for the for the small to mid-sized firm. Just constantly work to make ourselves and, and the firm that I'm have right now to to not be accused of being accountants. And to do that, you have to be able to really focus on not just finding people that are grinders, but are the people that understand you know client relationships, can understand how to think outside the box, can understand how to think like entrepreneurs. And we had to really develop that skill set from the ground up. It's not easy to, in this day and age to go out and find a people very easily, especially with experience. And in my profession, where it tends to be much more personality-driven with the, the, the stereotypical, you know, technical, mathematical, uh, sit in the corner and grind the numbers type person, it takes a lot to find those people that understand how to tenor, how to interact with others. And so we've been around, my firm has been around 26 years we started with just two partners and, and a admin staff and a part-time accountant working with us, and we've grown it to uh, over over 30 people. And the goal was not to have a large, large, large firm in terms of number of people, but to invest in technology and really utilize those tools to, to the fullest so we're fully paperless office and really use – I wouldn't say we're bleeding edge, but we're cutting edge on the technology side. And with that, it, it meant that we were going to have to find certain types of individuals. And, you know, here in the Seattle market, especially Especially when the internet boom hit, it was very difficult to find people uh, in public accounting because they were all leaving public accounting and going into computer science or engineering. We were finding it difficult to find full-time people. We were even supplementing that with people that were part-time mothers that were working at home and were CPAs and wanted to kind of job share. And, and from that point on, when we found it was very difficult, we found that we were going to have to start recruiting in the colleges. And so we found three different colleges that we started the process of recruiting. And and because of us starting that process of recruiting, we found that we were going to have to start dealing with a different generation and understanding exactly how they they think, how they react, what they're understanding their skill sets and, and, and what their their priorities were in life and continually design our firm to, to not only meet their needs, but to meet our needs and find some happy medium somewhere in between. So we had to spend some, some real time designing what those jobs look like and, and looking at the personality styles that we were going to have to go and recruit for and be very aggressive at that at the at the college level. We don't just go and hire somebody because they have an accounting degree. We, we run them through personality testing and, and quite a few other opportunities to give them a chance to really show us their skill set other than just the the number side. Absolutely. And so, you know, you mentioned something I found very interesting. Being in Seattle, right, you've been doing this for more than two decades. You've watched a shift of a lot happen in that area in particular. And so, you know, being in Seattle, you've seen some some things that probably have given you some good indicators, as you mentioned, that you're going to have to look for a different type of person. But you know, what intrigued me about what you just shared is that, you know, there's almost no market <laughs> when you probably started your transition to hire the type of person that you needed 
And you started making that transition to, to really map the, the, the role to the type of person that you were looking for and then to be able to attract talent and then put them through the personality test and the different things that you needed to do. So, so, so I'm interested. So kind of share what, how that impacted your perspective on, on, on the younger generation coming into, into a space like, like yours. And, and as the CEO, what, what were kind of the things that you, that kind of, uh, maybe were were some assumptions maybe that you made in the beginning that you found wrong, and then what what made you be able to truly you know use the the, the, the energy and the different things that you found as an asset inside of your company? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's always interesting. We're I'm a boomer, and so you know we're 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 thinking, gosh, you know, we're coming out of we have this drive. We came out of school. We were looking at this as an opportunity to uh, to ultimately own a company and be entrepreneurial and all these other things. And, and I, we just kind of, I think originally thought, well, all the kids are going to want that. And I think what's happened is, is we, it's come to play out is that, you know, once we started talking to them and, and uh, once we started hiring a few and, and you know, when we first started hiring, I, I wouldn't say that we were quite as organized as we probably could, you know, we've ended up being when it comes to really understanding what the questions are and, and how to read the resumes and to figure the things that they, you know, that are priorities to them and, and not to mention how we market to ourselves to them too. We weren't as sophisticated with that, so we were a little bit of a hit and miss, and, and we came to find that, you know, that they're just, and I think they're a victim of us as boomers. I think the fact that we came out of school, uh, I think our families and our parents were kicking us out of the house at 18, uh, so to speak, and our, our expectation was we were going to learn the school of hard knocks very early on, and then we turn around and do all of that stuff, and then we decide we don't want our kids to have to go through the same problems and tough times we did. So we turned around and maybe coddled them a little bit more, trying to make wow. life a little easier on them. Not to mention, I think that the two-person uh, household of working spouses changed the dynamic quite a bit as well from when our parents were raising us. And I think that that coupled with, I think, the guilt of not being there for the kids, we kind of did this to ourselves through our kids. And so, and I don't think any of us realized that until we started trying to hire those people after the fact. And we're going, yeah, you know, this is a, they, they don't have the same level of experience, you know, that, that common sense experience that we had when we came out of high school even. And uh, I think we were setting our expectation levels a little high. They just didn't know what they wanted to do. Uh, you know, they, they hadn't gone through some of the tough things that we'd gone through at the same age. And, we were finding that there was just a certain lack of maturity level at a, at a business perspective that made them not necessarily have an idea that, yes, I want to be an entrepreneur and I want to go. They just didn't know. That took us a little while to kind of get used to that concept and, and to really redesign our thought process and understand that we need to, first of all, develop a culture in our firm that is going to try to, to breed those things that we'd like to see, like entrepreneurialism and and uh, thinking like an owner and thinking outside the box. But we were going to have to be patient in that it's not something that was going to come as quick as we wanted it to, and that we were going to have to spend more time developing our staff internally to learn those skills. Wow. And I think that's what was the biggest change that we saw. Now we're committed to it, and I understand it. I can complain and gripe about it all I want, but that's not the reality of what's going on. So we've had to put together plans inside of our company that, allow us to really develop them uh, much more differently. I mean, they've got, they're very smart individuals. They really, they've got a lot to offer, but it's that, that 
uh, the intangible skill set around interacting and understanding how the world works from a business perspective, the real world works, that we had to, we found that we were going to have to teach them that the schools weren't teaching them. Wow. That's a very interesting perspective. You know, I, I think I've, I've heard uh, the gambit of why, you know, it, it seems to be a, a shortage uh, of understanding and knowledge from the baby boomer perspective. But I had not heard the idea that maybe uh, just as parents, you know, it, it's a it's a consequence of what we've done. So that's a that's a very mm-hmm. interesting perspective. And so it, that kind of speaks to some of the impacts. Right. Because uh, at the end of the day, yeah. there's a there now. Right. Millennials uh, approach the workplace a, a particular way. So what what else would you say are as a result of, you know, maybe some of that coddling and different things? How do you think that's shaped how millennials are even approaching the workplace today? Well, I think that it's the, the idea of this. And, I, and I, I'm sure many of your listeners have heard this or seen this on the news. You know, this idea that everybody got a um, you know, got a ribbon for participation or a trophy, and, and it was more about um, inclusion. I think the, the globalization of our economy has has changed their perspectives. I think that there many millennials can sit there and have a cause in mind when they're doing something, right? which I think is great because you know part of our core values are to to really look at the community, look at whether it's local or in a broader sense, and how can we how can we give back and how can we contribute? And I think that they have found that they just need to have this cause as part of what their work is. When I was coming up to the ranks, work defined me, and and that was kind of the essence of who I was. And of mm-hmm. course, I, it provided for the things, the other things that I like to do. Sure, I think it's flipped. This generation is work doesn't define them. What defines them is what they accomplish outside of work, and those causes may be. Anything from you know trying to solve world problems or or you know famine or whatever it is. I mean, an example would be they may be in my firm preparing financial statements for a residential construction company. You know, that seems pretty straightforward, but but for them to feel like they're included in that and that there's a reason to be doing this, they need to look at it from a greater perspective, which is like they're providing housing to families who are in need. You That's know, something good. that kind of cause in order to get them motivated. Sure. And so. You try, you, you know, so inside the company, you're trying to redevelop core values that I think reflect not only what the boomers want, which is, you know, to grow and provide services to people, but you need to also build in, you know, how does this, how does what we do actually benefit the greater good? Interesting. And sometimes that's easy to do depending on what your, your service is, and sometimes it's not. But I think if you can, so you're developing a core value in your company that, that's designed around philanthropic concepts. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think businesses should, but I think we're having to be much more conscious of that when we're developing uh, how we, we bring the boom, uh, bring the millennials into the firm and, and, and get them to, to really bite off on what it is that you do and want to stay and work as a team. That's awesome because I think many people are probably struggling with that, right? You know, you have mm-hmm. leaders who are Very sitting much. in companies who are kind of frustrated. You know, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to make what they believe in connect. And I think you said something very important. And so uh, I think for anyone listening to this who might be, you know, looking to build, you know, their millennial base inside of their company, or even, I would say, even probably attract. Uh, I think you bring up a very good point that your vision can remain the same, but I think the strategy in which you communicate that has to change so that it yeah. actually communicates well. Would you Would you say that's a fair statement? I think that's a very first statement, and I think that baby boomers have to to really understand that you know there 
these they are different. I mean, they're not, you know, one of the things, for example, we do when we interview new staff is we look at, I don't look at just the, what they've done in school, but I ask them a simple question. Like, have you ever participated on, in a team sport, you know, an organized team sport like in high school or college? And it's, it's very interesting how there are a lot of them that haven't. And I think that's a product, you know, product of the technology industry and gaming and some of these other things and how they were brought up. But we look for people who have been on a team, which tells me a lot about their, their abilities to, to work in a team environment and to understand the greater good and how they can contribute to that. Those that haven't sometimes have a, a tougher time, you know, coming into our organization, which means you have to be thinking a little bit about how do you get them onto your team and how do you get them feeling like they can work together and then it's not just about them, it's about what's going on as a whole. And so I think as boomers we have to under we have to look at that and understand if they've got that kind of background. Are they competitive? Do they understand accountability? Do they get the feeling that they want to go that extra mile? A lot of them do. They just and they come out of school knowing that they're they're very talented, they're very sharp, but they think that, well, I've got this degree, so gosh, I'm, I'm qualified to start consulting the big corporations right away without any real life experience. And I think that's a little bit of a disconnect that they, that we as boomers have to get them to understand that, you know, there is, they have to be patient. They have to learn some patience and they have to learn that they have to, you know, while we, they may have a better way to do it with all the technology and things that they really need to understand the processes that we've put into place and why we do the things we do before they try to apply the technology to it because a lot of times they find themselves leaving out some of the very critical comp- components which have to do with dealing with people at a one-on-one level. You know, you are speaking to, I think, a lot of, I would say, HR execs out there who who are concerned about, you know, what do we do? What are some strategies and things that we put in place, right, to, to really... Um, to move forward. And so, so I kind of want to think, I want to, I want to kind of get your perspective on, on another front of this. So, you know, you mentioned you guys had to kind of look at the landscape, make some changes internally, begin to build out some strategy there to, to start, you know, attracting the right kind of people. I'm interested. So as you guys were going through that process, obviously you begin to have a office full of, young, energetic millennials. What was kind of the thing that for you as a leader that was kind of an an aha moment about what needed to be done for for you to not only, you know, attract them, but retain them as well? Well, you know, I for us, we one of the first things we found, especially in our industry, is that because we when we'd go up and do the recruiting in the colleges, we would also do presentations before we actually did the formal recruiting and we found very quickly that, you know, if you go up there as accountants and you just talk about doing, preparing financial statements or this is the day in the life of an accountant and, you know, it was very boring because we, we can tend to be as a profession that way because what we do is compliance oriented. And right. <laughs> we were picking topics, for example, that were much, that weren't even designed around the actual work that we were doing, but we were talking about the tools, for example. So 2005, we went out and we made a very strong commitment to, because the, the technology, the software, and the, and the pricing came into play at that time. We said, we're going to take our office completely paperless. And we wanted a fully integrated system and we wanted to pull all this together. And while I was for the longest time that, really the partner in charge of IT and, and my partner and I probably knew more about how to do some of the IT stuff than our own staff did. We said we're going to change that dynamic and we're going to empower our staff to, to put this implementation in place and we're going to back 
100 percent on this thing. Wow. Now, fortunately, we know we knew enough about what we were doing that we weren't going to let them go too far astray. But sure. We, we could offer a lot of insight, but we we put them in charge of that kind of project, and they embraced it. They jumped on it. They designed it. They made sure that all of the stuff was implemented properly, and we we made sure we were there to support them the whole way by us not limiting our own. Uh, idea of where we wanted to go or being rigid in the way we wanted to approach things as accountants might do, we, we tried to think ourselves think outside the box when it came to something like this and, and give them some leeway to, um, to implement a lot of the procedures and to be the experts on the product inside of the office and basically make my partner and I not the experts. It, it was the goal because that would also not only unleash us from the office and allow us to go out and round up more business, but it empowers them to really focus on the quality control aspect of what we wanted to do because many of them were very much focused on that first before they ever developed the, the skills to be creative. And anybody that thinks that accounting isn't creative uh, hasn't been in it and hasn't really looked at some of the things that are done if you're truly consulting to a business owner trying to build value in his company. And so... We needed to make sure that our underlying um, resources and processes were rock solid and and could go through any type of audit or any other kind of quality control review, and we empowered them to do it. And they did. They took it on. They, they did an outstanding job, and these people, with their own technical skills coming out of college and being and not being afraid of technology, implemented a beautiful system that, to this day, for a firm our size, we still get calls from the large software vendors that we use, asking us sometimes how we implemented the process and what are our procedures outside of the system to get this thing to work because they don't really know too many accounting firms that are implementing a fully integrated system. And so, it, you know, getting them to be part of the solution up front and not dictating to them that well, this is how it's going to be is a great way to get the millennials actively involved in it because they're very comfortable there. And once they develop that comfort, the next step is then we start to push them outside their comfort zones by developing training internally that helps them develop their personal skills. For example, we'll do personal growth plans with each one of them and meet with them on a, on a depending on the size of staff, it's like every every other month. And we sit down and talk about the stuff that has nothing to do with their, their job here, but more about, you know, how do we help you build your own client base? How do we help you build your own referral network? How do we help you get involved in the community and something you have passion for? Helping them with those soft skills that will make them better people overall, but will also make them what we think are some of the, the key criteria to being a, a true consultant. And that's, that's our ultimate goal. With them. That is awesome. So thinking of a couple of different areas there that, that you kind of touched on, that I would like to dive a little deeper in. So Obviously, you you've had an opportunity as a, as a leader to not only lead, but you also mentioned about stepping back and kind of letting the the process. Uh, you you're the guardrails, but you allow it to be organic, which is which is awesome. And then they began to be able to adopt, you know, the, the process, and then be able to build out a fully integrated system, which is which is awesome. Uh, no matter whether you're a small firm or you're a midsize or you're a large, you know, corporation. What I'm interested in is that uh, obviously along the way, there's been some things that you've learned uh, that may have been struggles on both sides as you've been building out, you know, your company and as you've as you've continued to attract talent and being able to retain that talent. What would you say are some of the struggles that you may see millennials face when learning how to build 
and cultivate that relationship with a baby boomer who may be sitting in that senior level position that one day they, you know, just may aspire to be in. The main thing for millennials, I think that they they really need to um, to learn is patience. I think they they come out of school and into our companies with some unreasonable expectations about you know where they ought to be and how quickly they ought to get there. They need to be thinking. And I know that this is counterintuitive with the, a lot of the millennials, but they, they do need to look at what they're doing as a career and not just a job that's going to help them do other things. Uh, if they look at it as a career, whether they stay with that one company or not, and they understand that a, a career entails constant learning and learning not in the traditional sense, not something that they can solve by, you know, Googling it on their, on their handheld device, but, you know, learning that they have to develop those, the, that patient skill set and be sponges and learn from the boomers. You know, uh, we, there's, we have a lot to offer. Uh, and we're no different than probably past generations where, you know, uh, we thought the, that generation before us didn't know what they were doing. They need to understand we do know what we're doing we, and we have a different way of doing it. And if they learn the process that we use, it'll probably give them a lot more uh, practical insight into how and why things are done the way they are, and then that they should, and then they can apply the technology skills that they have to it. And I think it's, uh, to me, that's the biggest thing is the patience factor for millennials when it's dealing with us and as boomers. And, and, you know, we're not, we can be, we, we want to be mentors to them. It, this is not a, a, an ego thing with, I think, a lot of boomers and, and millennials may think this, that it, it could be, but we want to, we want to mentor. We want to pass down that knowledge because we realize that you know, our job as business owners is to really look at this from the 50,000 foot level. And we, and our staff would be at a level that if they're anywhere from in the weeds to 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 foot level. But that happens, you know, get to the 30,000 foot level the day you come out of college. You have to learn the basics. You have to learn the underlying structure. Some professions allow it to, you know, you can happen in six months. Some it might take a year. And you you just need to learn those and embrace them and understand that your time is going to come. But just try to really watch and learn from our techniques of how we do things and see how that fits with your own personality and so you can develop your own technique of interacting with people. And so that to me that's the biggest the biggest struggle I think I see the millennials having to deal with the boomers on. Interesting. So on the opposite side, what would you say that baby boomers, where are the opportunities there that they have when it comes to working and interacting with the millennial? What I think we can I don't know what should be doing when it comes to the to the millennial side is, you know, we we understand and I think I, I alluded to it a little bit is, you know, really trying to uh, realize that they are very, very, very intelligent. They're much more, uh, I think they have the ability to much be much greater global thinkers because of how they've been brought up and the fact that they're having to deal with a, a global environment, uh, much different than what we had. And, and I think that um, they have that, and it's all, it's in their heads, it's in their DNA, yet it hasn't, they don't know how to release it. And... Uh, for us, I think as boomers, we just need to understand that we can't be we can't be impatient on the other side with them thinking that well they're not very mature and it's going to take forever and they don't have very good priorities and I can't get them to uh, to to want my job or to focus or you know where's their drive? Well, they have a lot of drive. It's just it, it's got to be cultivated. 
And, and we found that as we, if we really try to implement and work with things that appeal to their, to their own personal development, whether it be learning how to delegate to people, learning how to um, understand conflict and how, how conflict is, is just a way of life and it's not something they should avoid but embrace. If we work with them on those types of skills, and right when they, the minute they come into the company, and, and mentor them that way, that they feel like they're really being included as part of the company and not just sitting there just doing a job. It really makes them feel like we care a lot about who they are and what they do because the, the talent set will come out of them. They will, they will find new and better ways to do some stuff that we're doing, and they'll be able to do it faster. And as long as we're okay letting them do that and knowing that that's going to allow us to go off and do the things that we do, our strengths, and then capitalize on our strengths, it's going to be a win-win. And that's why we do a lot of the personality testing to really understand what a person's strengths and weaknesses and their tendencies are when they first get here so that we can uh, we try to, to gear our personal growth plans and some of the tools that we use around some of those strengths and weaknesses. So it gives us a way to target. Okay, so as you can hear, Chris has a very interesting perspective owning a CPA firm, how he's infused millennials into his space and how that has even changed him. So this is just part one of an awesome, awesome interview that I've had an opportunity to do. Stay tuned because just in a couple of days, you will get to hear part two of my interview with the CEO of Falco Salt. Chris Falco himself. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please download this podcast. Share with us your thoughts. We are live. Go to our website, highlevelwisdom.com. Send us your comments. You can share with us on social media. Let's get social on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at High Level Wisdom. Thanks so much for listening. We'll look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Every now and then, if you're growing a business, you're going to need a CPA firm. How about hire one that is one of the leading CPA firms in the nation focused on serving a broad range of services to the print and design industry? I'm talking about Falco Salt. Go to falcosalt.com and get your customized built out plan for growing and scaling any business in any industry. I'm talking manufacturing, bioscience, real estate, professional service, construction, tech, They've done it. Go to falcosult.com today.